Hello, and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 86. Uh, today it's just me again. Mm, totally my fault again. Uh, I've just been busy and haven't had a chance to get on with Laura again. So hopefully next month we'll get back to that. So anyway, um, since this is not next month, uh, we're going to be going over an Inspired by the Rune uh, episode again. But before I get into that, I do want to quickly do my station news. Uh, Hugenhoff.org is where my website is, so feel free to go there, Hugenhoff.org. If you go to Hugenhoff.org slash podcasts, you can find my RSS feed, which is how I suggest you download the show since it's only monthly that's the best way to remember and of course if you had any feedback for the show feel free to send that to me at huguenotpodcast at gmail.com i do like getting email um and i'll usually mention it on the show at least quickly and when laura's on sometimes i talk to him about the email too which is always fun so feel free to send it that way if you have like show ideas or whatever else you might have um i think that's it for the station news so let's just go ahead and jump into it i wanted to tell you this has been a new not really new now i guess i've been doing it for a while um but the way i do these inspired by the runes and the way i'm going to do all of my podcasts that i do by myself but actually even with lore just in general i'm going to go as long as i want to go or as short as i want to go it used to be I'd try really hard to hit an hour, and I think if you listen to a lot of the older podcasts when I was still doing that, especially ones where I was going alone, but also ones where I was talking with Laura, you'd see that I really struggled to find anything to say, and it just got rambly, which I already have a tendency to ramble, but it just got forced, and I wasn't saying anything of substance, and I would rather just make it as long as it naturally is. So this, these usually go a little shorter than the other ones. So just, you know, know that going in. Uh, I, think, I think it's better to talk as much as you want to rather than force yourself to talk longer. Because if you force yourself to talk longer, you're just wasting people's time and you're being boring. So there's that right off the top. All right. So, oh, another thing since I'm here. Website, hugenhoff.org slash runes. <clears throat> we'll give you the runes and like a one sentence definition my idea with this was a one sentence definition so you could just go here and get a basic idea to remind yourself what the runes meant and then there's other ones that go more in depth and you know also a lot of it is personal um revelation from working with the runes so i don't want to give too much of my own ideas because then that ends up like affecting other people's ideas of them but <clears throat> this is not in-depth stuff unhoff.org slash runes is just like the quickest easiest answers for for one sentence or one word meanings of the runes so today i do believe we are going over yara which is a rune that i like so my one word answer here yara changing of the seasons reaping what you sow the turning of the cycle all right, so I'm going to go to the original rune poems and get um, the other versions of Yara. Uh, so there's the three original rune poems, which I mention a lot, but these aren't like the 24 runes. They're three versions of the runes. I use this Elder Futhark, it's called, which has 24 runes because I feel like 
it's my favorite and I feel like it's most accurate and I feel like it's the oldest. That last one wasn't subjective. It, it is, as far as we can tell, the oldest, which is, you know, a big reason that I use it because it's older than the other ones, but it, it doesn't have, like, quote-unquote definitions. There's not a poem of the Elder Futhark saying what all the runes mean, so we sort of look to the other source, these rune poems, to get an idea. But it's not a one-to-one -one connection. Every poem or every rune of the Elder Futhark is not in the three original rune poems. There's a little bit of disconnect there. Um, so, so I'm just saying that because... How do I say it? Um, it's not a one-to-one -one connection. So, you know, sometimes the rune poem won't have the rune that we're studying today. Um, I think these are pretty close to, to meaning the same thing. So I'm going to go with them. So when I say that, this first one is R. It doesn't look exactly like um, Yara. But it looks similar and seems to have a similar meaning so that's why i'm going anyway let's jump into it plenty is a boon to men i say that frody was generous uh okay so the icelandic um good to men and good summer and thriving crops and the anglo-saxon where is it probably gare summer is a joy to men when god the holy king of heaven suffers the earth to bring forth shining fruits for rich and poor alike so um even though the runes don't look exactly the same in this <clears throat> looking at them it'd be harder to say like yeah these are definitely the ones it should be the meanings are pretty similar here you have this idea of summer as a joy um the earth bringing forth shining fruits um it's just that whole idea of uh here's another one boon to men and good summer and thriving crops so you have this idea of the crops coming for to fruition and that's what this is all about year uh, uh, year is right there in the name uh this is the year you know in the springtime you plant your crops in the summertime your crops grow in the fall you harvest them and in the winter you know they sustain you so this is all about that turning of the wheel, that like cyclical nature of existence, really. Ev everything is cyclical. It's easiest to see in the day-night cycle and in the year cycle because it's very physical and tangible. But every day the sun rises and then it sets, right? And every every winter is followed by a spring, is followed by a summer, is followed by a fall. And we would never look at something cyclical like that and be like, oh, well, Mother Nature sure is in a rut. It's, it's not got those negative connotations that I think being in a rut has. If you had somebody just doing the same thing every day, it's like uh, that would be viewed negatively. So there is such a thing as stagnation. I think we talked about stagnation before where you're not changing. Um, looking at the cyclical way that nature exists and all other things exists it can feel sort of stagnant at first glance can't it i'm just kind of thinking out loud here but it's like oh day always follows night and so on and so forth and the seasons always go in the same order isn't that stagnant because you're moving without really getting closer to an end goal or anything like that 
um, it, it can feel very stagnant, but it's not. So why is it? Why is that the case? Why is being cyclical not the same as being stagnant? Uh, that's a really good question. But I think it's because things things do happen, and and you're you are achieving a goal. So if you're somebody who likes to garden, for example, you pl- you plant your crops, they grow, and you harvest them, and you do that every year. So on one hand, you could be like, well, that's pretty stagnant because you're not doing anything new. You're just planting and harvesting over and over again. But on the other hand, every year you're putting work into something and you're putting yourself into something. And then at the end, you're harvesting your crops and you're getting rewarded for that thing. So in that case, that loop isn't the kind of stagnant loop where you don't get better and you don't learn and you don't feel fulfilled. It's like that gameplay loop of constantly leveling up who you are and, and what you think about stuff. And, and I think that every time you go through that cycle, you learn something. Let's just use gardening. I think every time you're better at gardening than you were before, and every time you're a little bit more connected to nature. So there is sort of also this like slow progression, I suppose, going through things. But also I don't think it's stagnant when you're setting your goals and then meeting your goals. Even if those goals are pretty much the same or, or even exactly the same. I don't necessarily think that's the same thing as stagnation where it's like there are no goals to be had. You are just existing from moment to moment. So I do think that there is a difference between stagnation and um, cyclical nature of things. Uh, it would be good to... Uh, I, I, I think some other people might say that better probably said that more eloquently than me but yeah there's definitely a distinction between the two and a lot of it is attitude you know and a lot of it is just that one you're constantly setting and achieving goals which i think is really good and the other one you're not setting and achieving goals i feel like in society a lot of things you want an endpoint because you know let's say i'm writing a program the goal is to be done writing it, right? That's the idea. I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to start building this product. I'm going to start writing this program to do whatever. And in three months, I'm going to have a finished product and it's done and the end user is going to use it and there's not going to be any troubles and I'm never going to touch it again because I finished it, right? It's done. Or like video games, great example, since that's the thing I play all the time. I play my video game. I have a bunch of fun doing it, but why am I playing my game? Well, because I want to beat it. And then I beat it, and I put it away, and I never do it, do anything with it again. So a lot of things that we deal with on a regular day-to-day basis are goal-driven, and the goal is to be done with it forever, right? But the whole cyclical thing is different. It's more like exercising or eating right. You don't say, well, I'm going to eat right for a whole year, and then I'm going to start eating garbage again. And, and you don't go a whole year eating like healthy foods and fresh vegetables and fresh fruits and exercising every day. And then like the year's up and you're like, okay, I beat, I beat being healthy. So then you like eat potato chips and, and watch TV on the couch for the rest of your life. It's not what you do. It's a constant process of staying healthy. And I think that's very much what the whole idea of the cyclical thing is. It's a constant process and a never-ending process of 
staying spiritually healthy maybe and and that's um, staying connected with nature and stuff like that it's hard to put into words why you would want to work hard to stay the same but I do think that's true and I think the easiest way to explain it is something like exercise and eating healthy that's one that a lot of people really do continue to work on it's like every day they're working hard to stay the same so of course if you are overweight or not healthy the first step would be to work hard to get into shape but once you've got that goal you don't stop you keep working hard to stay the same um so yeah uh, uh that is completely a tangent um <laughs> So I always go on tangents, but that one's an extra crazy tangent. I guess I'm just saying that just because something's not changing doesn't necessarily mean you're stagnant, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong. Because I think spending your time on staying happy and staying healthy and staying fit is still a good use of your time, even though you're not achieving something new. You're just maintaining the status quo, quote-unquote. So sometimes you have to work hard to stay where you are, which again, isn't a bad thing. It just feels like I'm saying it's a bad thing because it feels like, oh, you're just spinning your wheels. You're not getting anywhere, but it's not. Sometimes Sometimes it's good to maintain like the positive stuff that we have. Anyway, I'm going to leave that because I think I've talked enough on it. Um, the other big thing is Yara is all about changing, right? And it's also about reaping what you sow. So the gardening example, you plant the seeds, and then at the end of the year, you harvest them. Um, I think that's a great example, or I think that's a great way to illustrate the bigger picture of what this is saying, of, you know, you put things out into the world, you put your actions into the world, uh, you do good deeds or you do bad deeds, those deeds do what they do in the world, they make effects, they change other people's, and those deeds ultimately come back to you. Now, a lot of times I think we can find these rare examples where someone, someone seems to be a complete jerk and all they did was evil things and then they're rewarded for it and they're a millionaire or something. I'm sure sometimes that can be the case and you, know, you can have arguments of like, <clears throat> well, we're looking at a short time frame. If you were to look at all of time, like their spiritual journey through a longer period of time, you know, after they die and go wherever, you're going to see that things balance out. But but actually, I feel like maybe this would just be me, me being an, an optimist, but I feel like for the most part, terrible people are not happy people and good people are happy people. Now, I didn't say rich. I don't think that being a good person necessarily makes you rich, and I don't think being a bad person is necessarily a deterrent from becoming rich. But there's a lot of people that I've noticed in my life who seem to be very self-centered and not care about other people and jerks, and they're really unhappy, and they always think that life is unfair to them, and they're always complaining, and they're always a little bit miserable. And there's a lot of people who are very nice and constantly give to people and I feel like a lot of times they're very optimistic and happy. I think that's us putting our actions out into the world and those actions come back in the same way that we put them back into the world. So 
here's an example. Let's say you're a bad person and you go, um, and you have a friend and you steal his TV. Okay, well, you put an action out into the world. You stole your friend's TV. And at first you're like, well, I just got good stuff with no consequences. But you did have consequences because that person's probably not going to be your friend anymore. And let's say you steal a couple more friends' TVs or a couple more things from your other friends. What's probably going to happen is either you'll go to jail because they turn you in to the police and that's your your bad actions coming back to hurt you or you definitely will not have those friends anymore which is your bad actions coming back to get you or maybe those people will start stealing from you because they feel justified because you stole from them and then that's a miserable life and you end up living in fear of one of those things happening and it's just kind of not happy and on the other hand let's say you're a really nice person you decide to buy your friend a tv so you're like oh here friend have a tv most of the time that friend's going to reciprocate with some sort of gift to you which will make you feel good and not just because of the gift but because somebody cares about you and somebody's taking time to give you things so i know it's common for people to be like last guys fit or nice guys finish last and to think that nice people have bad lives but i i i don't really think that's true I think that if you do the right thing, generally speaking, you're going to be rewarded for that and have good things happen to you. And and I think there's a lot of cases, if you look at criminals, a lot of times it seems like they're not happy people. And a lot of times when you look at like good people who do the right thing most of the time, it seems like they are happy. So I, I think that is part of this room, Yara constantly reaping what you sow if that's in the sense of the actions you put out into the world or it's like literally you grow a garden whatever that might be you put your effort towards something and that comes back to you in some way be it good or bad uh okay i wanted to say that i don't think i'm going to talk any further on that i just want to do one more quick thing uh, so we sort of talked about how these runes fit together, the idea of destroying yourself, understanding what you need, giving that time to gestate, if you will. And then Yara is all that work coming to fruition. So like you've given up on your old habits, let's say you've given up on your old habits and you've got rid of those you decide what you need to do in the future the the new person that you want to be um there's always a waiting period i don't uh, think i can exactly explain that one but there's always some sort of waiting period for things to solidify and then this is this is really when those actions and things and those seeds start really being planted and starting to germinate maybe not time of of completely coming to fruition now but you've got the idea that they're starting to really germinate so they will come to fruition soon this process that process is starting here so that's kind of how it fits in the uh bigger scene in there Anyway, what else do I want to say about this changing of the seasons? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. 
uh, yeah, okay. So I think that's pretty much it. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up because I think that's better than rambling on forever. Basically, the whole point of this one and the meaning of this rune for me is just the idea that you reap what you sow. Um, also, the idea that, you know, change is a good thing and change is also often cyclical. Oh, I did, I did want to mention real quick, because this idea is neat to me. So you know how we've got Ragnarok, where we're living in this world was created um, out of Ymir. We're living on Earth right now. We're living in the nine worlds right now, and, you know, everything's fine. Uh, eventually Ragnarok will happen, which will destroy the world, and then it'll be reborn. It says that the world will be reborn, and Baldur will come back, and all of the all of that stuff but the world doesn't just end and then we and then we're done the world ends and then it's reborn uh so that's an idea of like on this big scale rebirth you know the world is born the world is destroyed and then the world is reborn um but that happens on like smaller scales too like in just the course of your life you are born like physically you're a baby and then you grow up, you become an adult, all these things happen, and then you die, which is like your own personal Ragnarok. You are, you are completely destroyed. But then, if you're a religious person, you think maybe you come back in some way um, to live again in an afterlife or something. Uh, and then it happens on like even a smaller scale. You have the idea that you are a cert you become a certain individual but then you know at some point in time you might turn away from the individual you are and and symbolically go through a rebirth ritual to feel like you're someone new and then also it happens even on a daily basis you know we wake up every day you wake up fresh you go through all these things and you do all these things and you, you grow and change as a person and then you go to bed which in some ways at least is also sort of a little mini Ragnarok type thing because when you go to sleep you lose who you are because you lose your consciousness you're not you anymore you're not the conscious you that exists on a daily basis you're unconscious you're unaware you kind of cease to exist throughout the night but then you come back you're not gone you're not a different person in the world you are reborn as a different yeah as a as you're reborn slightly differently but basically as the same person even though there's this break in continuity and a break in who you are and you weren't you for a while so you've got that like ragnarok thing happening on like a little tiny scale too so i just think that's interesting that the cyclical nature of things exists on large scales and small scales both, which I, I just like it when things like that happen. Uh, like the spiral of being in DNA and the Milky Way. Uh, that's a quote that comes from Pi, which is a movie I really like by Darren Aronofsky. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that one real quick because I thought it was neat, um, but I am going to wrap up. So again, the things that I think are important about this is just the importance of changing and developing... Or, I mean, uh, this is just the thing that I think is most important about this rune is reaping what you sow. You know, you plant these seeds, and whatever the seeds are that you plant will grow into something. And, you know, this rune is not 
I, I view it as generally positive, but this isn't necessarily a positive rune every time. This rune doesn't mean something good is coming. It means something you deserve is coming. And I'd like to live, I'd like to live the kind of life where if what I deserve is coming, that's going to be good, but not everybody's there. Um, I'm sure I haven't been there in certain parts of my life, but, but this is all about you are going to get what you deserve. So if that's your reward or your just desserts, that d depends on how you live your life. But this is all about like those actions that you've put out into the world are coming to fruition now. Um, and yeah, because I mean, I think that's the way the world works. You know, you put these actions out and eventually they come to fruition and you're going to reap what you've sown, basically. So anyway, I think that's enough rambling. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hopefully I'll have lore on next time. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Cross your fingers. Otherwise, I'll continue doing the Inspired by the Runes series. Uh, I, I like doing this series because it gives me an excuse to think about the runes a little bit more. So I, you know, always have fun with it. But thank you everyone for listening. And please feel free to check out my website, which you can find at www.hugenhoff.com. Org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. If you have email, feel free to send them to Podcast at gmail.com. See you next month. Frahel.